know you are God's house. You read in the scriptures how you are the temple of God, and the spirit of God dwells in you. And so you get the idea and the sense that you become sanctuary, which you are. You are the holy of the holy now, where the ark of the covenant is, if you will, where the presence of God dwells. We are in that category now. And so sometimes we need to remember as Christians that we should live holy because of that, that we should live grateful because of that. We are walking around in the very presence of God. And some of us treat it like uh, there is it's something small, that it's a small uh, matter that God is with us. And we need to remember He is Emmanuel, God is with us. So we're looking into God's house tonight. And just uh, by way of reminder, look again Isaiah 66, verse 1. The Bible says, Let's say, The Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place? God's house tonight. Think on these things. And I have that next slide for you. Uh, as I said earlier, we began Sunday morning with a thought, and that thought was about how we separate ourselves from God and sin begins to fill in that void. I think that is a give me nowadays. I think it's observable science when you look at somebody who once stepped away from the church, stepped away from God, and begins distance themselves from God and everything about God, from God's people. From God's Word. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, uh, Sin will teach you from the Bible, but the Bible will teach you from sin. And so it is observable that somebody who steps into sin starts letting go of God's Word and starts unfellowshipping with God's people, just associating with God's people. And they begin less and less in worship to the point where they begin telling themselves it's not necessary anymore. Have you ever noticed that? Some of us can actually attest to that in our own personal lives as we look back at our uh, experiences with Jesus Christ. When we let sin rule us and we let sin take over in our lives, we find ourselves becoming further and further and further from God. Well, we see that in the Bible. And we see that as we look at a biblical history of people and how God works in ways to stop our slide from Him. Please remember that we had these particular ideas. Let's look at that next slide there. Uh, you remember how... He illustrated the tabernacle as God was saying, I can fill the space between me and you. See, the problem is that we keep moving further and further from God, and God says, I want to be near you. I want to be near you. I want you to be near me. And so God has come up with ingenious ways, truly and honestly, to be near us, even though we've got this problem, this problem called sin. problem called sin. Now, I need you to understand something, though. God's not working on a level that says, well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. No, no, no. God, has to, God is waiting for the fullness of time to send His only begotten Son. So always from the beginning of time, the plan is to send Jesus Christ. However, He is doing step by step for that fullness of time to become in His plan there. So one of the first things He does is the tabernacle. And you remember how we discussed and illustrated in Sunday's sermon that the tabernacle was uh, complete with the sanctuary or the Holy of the Holy. It had the ark inside of it. And that was a very special room that only one person could go in. And he had to go in being completely atoned for. And he had to go in just one day a year. And that's how far we had come from God, yet how much God wants to bring us back to Him. Uh, we also took a look as people began to distance themselves from the tabernacle. Then Solomon got together, and inside of Solomon and the court of King David's heart, the idea of building a temple for God Almighty was there. And that was a, a picture where the temple was permanently with him. It wasn't just a mobile tent going around, going around, and going around. It was a permanent place. 
And even that, however, no matter how grand it could be or how wonderful it was, people began distancing themselves from God just like they do with a modern-day church. And the reason why because we put the focus on the church building like people do the temple. Now, I don't want to get off on that, but that's exactly what the problem is. When we look at the building like the Jews did the temple, we're already wrong. Somebody can say amen tonight. Because, let me just be honest with you, the church is not the building, the church is the people. And so we were never supposed to go down that road. However, that's the one, that's what, it's, it's in our nature to start thinking of it like that, to start acting like it like that. Really, and obviously, you need to think of yourself as a church. Well, you become a Christian, you are the church 24-7. And you need to be holy, you need to be clean, you need to have clean thoughts, you need to be praising God because the Spirit of God dwells within you. That's how a Christian is supposed to be. And so you can see, though, throughout time, even the Jews began uh, distancing themselves from the temple. Sanctuary. 
that we come to those holy of the holy places. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, No, you're not, you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells within you. So we begin seeing scripturally what happens to us. We become transformed on the twinkling of an eye, so to speak. Okay? He brings God near us, and it's almost as if, and now I'm going to put the cap there, but it's almost as if, though we have the nature required further away from God, Jesus is saying, I will go with you wherever you are so that you can't be far away from God. You get the picture of that? He will never leave you nor forsake you. You get the idea of that no matter how far you go, I'm right there with you. All you got to do is take one step back. You ever heard the old Christian cliche? I know you have. It says you may have walked a million miles away from God, but to get back to God, all it takes is one step. You ever heard that before? The reason why is because he's with you if you're a true Christian. All right. So we get the picture of that. Jesus came to bring us near to God, and because he brought us near to God, we can never get away from God. Let me put the scripture for you on that right here. Jesus said, nothing can pluck them out of my Amen. I'm get excited right now. That's why I believe you cannot lose your salvation. No matter what, he's with you, and you can't even get you out of his hand. Somebody say amen. You can't do it. It's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent on how you get saved, and it's not dependent on how you stay safe. If it is dependent on how you stay safe, then you had to save yourself in the first place. Now, let me put it like this. There's churches out there that preach that nowadays. It says, hey, get saved by grace, and then it's up to you to keep it. Well, if you can't get saved, you sure as heck aren't going to keep it. It's impossible. You can't do it. Let me tell you why. Because it's impossible to get. It's impossible. We are too far away. We have to be brought near. But I will tell you this. You can fall in love with sin. You fall in love with Satan. You think you are. If you can walk away, if you can love sin more, then you may not have that relationship you think you have. You better reevaluate yourself. My Bible tells me that we're supposed to examine ourselves daily to see if we are in the faith. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right? Let's take a look at the next slide, please. Sticking with that theme that we're looking at here about where God's house and that Jesus has brought us near to God, and we are now building that house. We're decorating it, if you will. I love that thing right there. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. Quickly now, the Bible tells us, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise and master builder, this is the Apostle Paul, he's saying, I have laid the foundation. Now, we all know what the foundation is, because the Bible tells us what the foundation is. Help me out here. And another builds on it. So that each one takes heed how he builds on it. Verse 11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. I think it is pathetic when someone gets saved by grace and turns around and says, I need work to keep my salvation. You need to go back and read the scriptures again. Uh, in the words of our video we watched earlier today, Superior Theology believes in saved by grace can't be saved by works. You can't do it. You can never work enough for it. All right. Now, if anyone's work, well, it was here in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which is built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. 
Once again, I believe reinforcing my thoughts of what says, always says, verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Seeing what defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, and the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So that's a warning for us, that's a warning for those that want to kill Christians as well. All right, let's begin. Next slide. Most preachers are going to take this and run with it into our eternal reward. In fact, I've done it myself, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They would not be wrong. We're going to talk about how we work, what we're working for. We're not working for our salvation. We're working for that well done, now good and faithful servant. We're working for those gold, silver, precious stones. We're working for that crown. I don't know about you, but there's going to be some rejoicing if you get the crown of life. Amen? You get the crown of righteousness. There's going to be some rejoicing. If you hear those words, well done, now good and faithful servant, there's going to be joy like you've never seen or heard before. And as far as I'm concerned, that joy never ends. Well done, now good and faithful servant. So I believe those preachers will not be wrong. But I can't help. I cannot help but point us to a different direction. So let's look at this as a modern topic. So we also like to think of it as salvation, or we're building this tabernacle, or we're building this temple, or we're building this work that we're going to present to God and say, look at what I've done, oh Lord. So let's look at this going through with the body. What do you think of that one? Doesn't that look like 1313 Mockingbird Lane? Or is it just me? It does, doesn't it? supposed to be talking about that in the church, Josh? Well, I wasn't a Christian always. But to me, that's a house that you can paint, you can color, you can design it however you want to. It's kind of a modern day brick house. I would like to say, there's no other kind of stuff, but boy, would I be wrong. There's a bunch of them like that kind of stuff. If you don't believe me, take a little drive up on the hill and see. They're up there, and they are beautiful. So let's take a look at modern day houses. What modern day house to do with it in our congregation. So he knows a lot more about this than I do, but I'm going to do some very elementary stuff in the first couple of books like this. So here's what I'm getting at. A modern home still has to be constructed. I think every one of us can agree with that. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, oh me, if you disagree with it. All right, you can't just speak it into existence. You can't say, let there be a house and there is a house. It doesn't work like that. we got to build it. A modern home still has to be constructed, but it also has to be hooked up. You could build the most beautiful house in top of the but you've got to have it hooked up. Well, what am I getting at? Let's go to the next slide. You can have the best house in the neighborhood right here in top of Texas, but if it doesn't have these precious, wonderful utilities, then your house is almost useless. It becomes a place to get in out of the elements. It becomes a place that can protect you. It becomes a place that you can get away from danger. You can lock the door. But it's missing certain things. Then your house isn't quite as useful. And some Christians are like that. We got a house that we're building. Oh, we got one. The moment you put Jesus in your heart, you get a foundation. And you get walls. You're starting to build these walls. But here's the difference, though. And this is how I want to bring you tonight into our Bible study. Is that a lot of times we forget that houses still got to get hooked up to the water. They still got to get hooked up to the electricity. Can you say amen on that? And you understand where I'm going now inside of our Bible study. We're sometimes too worried about what the walls look like. Well, we need to be worried about whether or not it has power and whether or not it has water. Because you know what happens to a house that don't have water? Some of you have lived without water in the house for 
a day or two. It gets to be pretty dirty inside of there, doesn't it? And let me tell you something, Christian. If you're not hooked up to the water of life, then you're going to find out that the house that you're building can get dirty real quick. It can get dirty real, real, real quick. You don't have water, then guess what? The plumbing doesn't work. You ever grew up with four teenage boys? I got a bunch of them in the house right now, and I got a 20-something-year-old man to move back home. And let me tell you, right now, thank God the plumbing in my house works. I had the privilege of driving our youth group boys up to camp yesterday. And they thought it was the funniest thing in the world to let out some obnoxious odors in the back seat. And they were laughing and laughing, and I was rolling down the window and coughing and coughing. Oh, my goodness, y'all. I couldn't wait to stop that truck. People were like, that's what's stopping too much. I'm like, drive with them, and you know what? I'll tell you right now, did not bring a gas mask with me. We're expecting that. They thought it was funny. They were just singing in the back seat. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And I was up there gagging. <laughs> Driving and speeding up and rolling down the windows to get more air inside. What happens when your house is a bit of water? It gets dirty real quick, doesn't it? What happens to the dishes in the sink that you eat off when you don't have water to wash them? What happens to the plumbing when you can't push what's in the toilet down? What happens to the tables, to the floors when you don't have water? Oh my goodness, Christian, what happens when you don't have water to drink? You understand what I'm getting at? you got to hook that house up. You're building a house. You're building something with Jesus. you got to get hooked up to the water. Let's take a look at the water quickly now. Next slide. You can have the prettiest house in the state of Texas, but if it's full of waste and you can't get it clean, then it's not where God Remember, he wants to be in a sinless place. He wants to be in a place that is designed for him and his presence. And I want to remind you that God actually gives specific commands to the Israeli people or the Jewish people at the time, the Hebrew people at the time, as they had come out of Egypt. He says, when you go out to do your business outside of the camp, you will bury it for the Lord your God walks among you. Are you hearing me? God wants your house to be clean. And a lot of us are filling it with unholy, ungodly junk. I grew up to let some holy water get up in there. It's not where God wants to be. Let's see what's next time. Jesus told us to love one another. So if we're going to find out what the holy water is, I believe it's love. I believe it's truth, love. The Bible tells us that when we love one another, it covers a, help me out now, a multitude of sins. That's because that's the water you need, Christian, to make it clean. That's the water you need to wash your walls. That's the water you need to wash your dishes. That's the water you need to make it right in your family. Stop hating and start loving. Stop grudging and start loving. Stop remembering the past and start loving. Get some water going in the house of God. Love's our water. So get hooked up to love right now. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John, God is love. So if you're not hooked up to water, then you've got a connection problem. Love covers that multitude of sin. Love covers it. Incidentally, God is love. If you don't love, you don't have love. Now, don't get the order reversed. It's important for you to not do that. Theologically, God is love. So this is being asked. Love is not Kings it around and worship love wrong. 
God is love. And God's love is different than the world's love. God's love forgives. God's love teaches. God's love provides for. God's love never, ever, ever, ever permits sin. God is love. They don't love. They don't have God. Let's take a look at that because I'm running out of time. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul says what love is. And incidentally, this particular word that he uses there, when he talks about love, is agape. Agape, if you speak uh, Koine Greek, right? It's agape, though, agape in modern day Greek. So I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. Again, an old King James might say charity. That's what it means there. Selfless, self-giving love. If I don't have love, I become annoying. I'm a, a sounding brass. You ever had somebody on the drums that would just start hitting the cymbals? We got some over here, but they're not metal. We're all the bills take for you tonight. And every time you spoke, somebody would hit the cymbals. It would get annoying quickly. You ever had a son that got a drum for Christmas from your grandparents? And you were like, I can't wait to send him to visit your grandpa. Because the drum's going with him. You become annoying like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And here in verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy, though I can preach like an angel, though I preach like somebody who's gifted, and I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge of God's Word, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not loved, Paul says, I am nothing. There's no water in my house. And though I bestow all my goods, I give everything I have to feed the poor. And though I give my very body to be burned at the stake as a martyr, but I have not love. It profits me nothing. Literally, I am bankrupt. There's nothing in there if I don't have any love. And Christian, if you're not hooked up to love, then your house is as dirty as it can be. You get hooked up to love. Let's take a look at the next one. Just finish First Corinthians 13 here. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It doesn't walk around saying, look at me. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its very own. It's not provoked. It speaks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, preaching, preaching, that's what they're going to say. Whether there are tongues, you know, gifts of the Spirit, they're going to fail. Whether there's knowledge, we don't have to share. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. You know what's perfect? Do you know what's perfect, Christian? Love! Look at the next one here. Verse 11 here. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. Again, take the Betsy and I first moved to Copper Stove. The first thing we got turned on was water. That was easy. But we had to wait three or four days for electricity. Let me tell you, we were living with mom and dad, and Betsy was like, we're living in a dark house for three or three days. We moved quickly into that house. What about electricity in your house? How quickly do we pick up the phone and call TNQ, Encore, or whatever our electric provider may be at this given time in Central Texas? We call them. We say, you better get that power back on. Well, you know something, Christian? Many of us have been living in houses that have no power for a year. We think that we should be walking around by candlelight. We think we should be walking around 
eat everything. When we have the ability to be hooked up to electricity and have central heat, central air, have lighting in every house, are you hearing me? We've got the ability to have the power on in the house. Look at me in Acts 1, verse 8. You might be saying, what about electricity, Pastor? Look at me in verse 8 here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Do you want that power in your house? Do you want that power in your Christian testimony, in your Christian life? Get hooked up to the electric company, the Holy Ghost. Some of us think we can do it on our own, or we light a candle. Hey, Jesus said if we light a candle, we shouldn't hide it. We even walk by the window, we're like, look in the window, see the light I got here. You've got the ability to light the house up with fluorescent LED lights. You have the ability to have the heat on, to have the cold on, the ability to have a refrigerator running. You know what else, Christian? You have the ability to be hooked up to television. You can communicate with the latest news from heaven. God all How do we do that? We need to have the right friends. Can't do it until you get connected. How do you get connected? Well, if we were to look at it like we do a house today, you have to pick up the phone, you gotta call your electric company, you gotta make an appointment. A lot of times you gotta put a down payment on it, and a lot of times you have to wait for them to show up and turn on your electricity. You better be there, or they'll be like, see you next week. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's not that way with Jesus. It's not that way. How do we get the power in the house we're building? How do we get that? Jesus himself said, you shall receive power. Look at John 16, 13. You need to understand a little bit something about the power. Jesus told us in Acts 1, 8, the power is the Holy Spirit. You want the lights on in the house? You want the TV on getting the news? you got to have the Holy Spirit. You want the heat on when it's cold? You gotta have the Holy Spirit. You don't want the air conditioner on when it's hot? You gotta have the Holy Spirit. You gotta have it. You want the ability to plug something into the wall and make it what? Christian, do you want our little church programs to start working when you plug them into the wall? Do you know why they don't work? Because we haven't contacted the electric company. Are you hearing me? A lot of times we forget that. And we leave that off to the side thinking, hey, I can run my Nintendo 64 on this candle power. No, you can't. I can get my little solar panel this big to run my refrigerator. And then you wonder why your meat is defrosted in your fridge. You wonder why it's tender. But we're not hooked up to the power. We're not connected. How do you get connected? However, when he, as we understand the Holy Spirit, is a person, and I believe he is the most ignored person in the church today. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. In other words, he's in the very presence of God. He learns the mind of God, and he brings it to us, the believers. All you got to do is get plugged in. All you got to do is get the wire running. Look at the next slide. Do you want God's Spirit in you? Do you want God's Spirit in the house?
told him, and you need to get plugged in to Jesus Christ. Well, you know, first thing you got to do, though, first thing you got to do, are you ready for this? First thing you got to do is contact Jimmy Swagger and send him a check to him. Thank you. 
for a day, day and a half, and all of a sudden, our phone's running on zero, and we're like, get ready to die, get ready to die. We do that all the time, too. We walk away from the electric company and say, how come our battery is elastic? You know why? Because you are not alive. you got to get plugged back into the wall of the meeting. you got to plug it back up because it needs cost. Like I said, we go a million ways to get it. I want your mind now to start going with it. Isn't that what a problem is? Probably in your kitchen wall. Yeah, the question is how can you get the water in there? You get it clean? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, they passed her. There's plenty of water in there. But, buddy, I'm a time to do things I can't wait. I'm a dryer to close on a clothes line. I didn't know he had an electric dryer. Well, I guess. I didn't even hear that. That's all. There's nothing sweeter. Then when you realize it's 114 degrees outside and you got an electric dryer, you thought, I ain't going out there to hang out for today. Well, you don't know what part of the world hung in COVID in a long time. Yeah? Because the kids are at camp. <laughs> it takes me when I do it forever in a day. Then again, our clothesline fell down and I have not replaced it yet. So it's not. I got hooked up to the crowd. <laughs> I became too smart to put that thing back up. No, I do miss clothes. I'm too. Anyway, I'm just going to clothes. It is wonderful when it's that long drive. Yeah, they get the shit off. Anyway, with that being said, though, you have the ability to get this to the You have to start thinking like this. You have to start acting like this. You have to start letting Jesus do it in you. Look at that last part of verse 8 again. He came obedient to the point of death. That's where we need to mess up. Join us Sunday morning. Pastor, where are we going with Sunday morning? Yeah, just stop tomorrow. <laughs> you got to be there Sunday to find out. Let's close in that word of prayer. Sorry, I went over just a few minutes. Pray for our youth group as they continue to have a wonderful time at camp and pray that God will continue to bless and use and grow. Father God, have we thank you. How we love you. How we give you the praise, honor, and glory. And as we go this day, we depart your house. Make each and every one of us as we leave here tonight. Get hooked up to the one. Get hooked up to the power. And may each and every one of us show your love everywhere we go. May each and every one of us show your power wherever we go. The power to forgive. The power to become your servant. The power to be obedient. The power to